Hello and welcome to the Headache Doctor podcast. My name is Dr. Taves and it's my mission to empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do. And on today's podcast, we're going to talk about four different providers that can provide value to you in your healthcare process that you likely have not thought about before. And we're going to get into the the general type of license that these providers have and the training, but then into the specifics of what you need to look for. So instead of just searching for a general dentist or a general optometrist, what are the specifics and how do you evaluate if that provider is going truly to, to get at the source of what's happening? Because getting at the source of pain and restoring function in the body is key rather than just masking uh, symptoms as oftentimes is, is the case with headaches and migraines. So to summarize, we're going to go over dentists, what dentists can do to provide you with value to help in this whole process of treating your headaches and migraines. We're going to look at optometrists, how optometrists can be of value and, and help in this process. We're going to look at physical therapists in the sense of the vestibular system and how they can go through vestibular rehab in helping with dizziness and uh, restoring vestibular function. And then we're going to talk about nutrition and dietitians and the value that they have for helping someone with headaches and migraines. So what I do as a physical therapist is help to restore mobility to the upper part of the neck. This is one of the main factors that's going to drive the symptoms that you experience as a headache or migraine sufferer, this loss of movement in the upper part of the neck. So is that the only thing that we need to address? Is that the only problem? If we unlock this movement in the upper part of the neck, does that mean that you're going to be 100% better and that it'll never come back? And, and that's going to solve all your problems. If I get a patient early on in this process, and let's say they come in and last month they started to have migraines and they're, they're relatively young, let's say they're a high schooler, and I can trace it back to a type of injury that they had. So for example, I if uh, a patient went up skiing and they fell and had some sort of whiplash injury and then a week later they started to have headaches and within a month or two they come to see me, that's a situation where I can just work on the neck and that will solve the patient's problems. No big deal. Now, the longer that these symptoms go on and the longer the neck is restricted, it will actually put stress on these other systems and those other systems will eventually go so far down this road of compensating and having stress placed through them that they may need uh, to be addressed as well. Now, is the neck always the initial problem? It, kind of the question of, is it the chicken or the egg? If you have a vision problem, did that cause your neck to have increased stress or was it your neck that caused your visual system to have increased stress? Same with the, the jaw and the neck. Is Which came first, the jaw causing the neck to tighten up or was it the neck that caused the jaw to be dysfunctional? Um, so oftentimes the answer to that question doesn't necessarily matter because when we when we look at when I'm evaluating a patient and their jaw is dysfunctional and their, their neck is tight and maybe they have increased stress through their eyes when they're trying to focus in on an object or read, watch a movie, whatever it is, those systems all need to be addressed to some extent. Now, oftentimes when I work on the neck, it will allow those other systems to have a decreased amount of stress through them. But the longer these symptoms go on, um, the more care each of those systems will need individually. 
And so it's not important necessarily to say, where did this all start? Unless unless it's relatively recent. And like I said, in the example of um, a young patient who just recently started feeling these symptoms, sometimes we can flesh out and just find an individual system that needs to be addressed and then everything's okay. The reality though in our healthcare system and the patients that I work with is that they've had this pain, these headaches and migraines for many, many years, for decades. And so it, it really is something that oftentimes needs to be addressed from sort of a multidisciplinary approach. We get the dentist involved, we get the optometrist involved, we get the nutritionist involved. If I can work on a patient's neck and they get 80-90% of the way there, if they want uh, that next 10-20%, that's usually where we need to, to bring in another discipline. Sometimes people get to the point where their quality of life has improved so much just by treating their neck that we don't necessarily need to go those routes. But if you're at home and you have um, had someone work on your neck the way that I talk about, the, they've evaluated it properly, and maybe you hit a roadblock. Maybe you know that your visual system is involved. Maybe you, your jaw has been really irritating to you, and you know your bite is off. Um, or potentially, you get dizzy, and, and, and you may need your vestibular system sort of calm down or rehabbed in a way that's specific to the vestibular system. Or maybe you know that your diet and your nutritional health is off and you, and you need some coaching in that area. So my expertise is in the neck and I think that can cover a wide array of problems that can lead to headaches and migraines. Uh, but let's start out with uh, dentistry. So I, I actually had a conversation with a dentist in Colorado Springs here and it was super helpful. So what she's telling me is she was bringing me into the reality of dentistry. And it sounded very similar to what the world of physical therapy is. So most physical therapists are going to be trained on the, the musculoskeletal system and how to restore movement. But a lot of their focus is on exercises. And a lot of their, a lot of their attention is drawn to the shoulders, the back, uh, the hips, the knees. And the neck is not necessarily something that they feel comfortable with or see frequently enough to feel comfortable with. And so the neck is kind of this neglected area where physical therapists generally aren't treating effectively. If they try, maybe they're, they're sort of missing um, some, some major things that need to be hit on. And so you've heard me talk about that. Well, in dentistry, what she was telling me or, or explaining is that the teeth are such a focus preventing cavities and all from the basis of brushing that oftentimes the jaw and how the jaw functions is, is missed. It's not something that dentists are, all dentists are comfortable with. There's sort of this extra effort that needs to be put in to practice, to get experience and to educate themselves on when they're looking at the jaw and understanding how important it is for jaw function, not only in as it relates to jaw pain or headaches, but also as it relates to the health of the teeth. So I'm not an expert in this, so I'm not going to go into detail, but I'll just summarize what we talked about because I thought it was very enlightening. What she talked about was how the teeth have this proprioceptive input. And what that means is when the teeth are contacting each other, they know where that pressure is, where the force is applied through the tooth. Now, the amount of enamel through the, uh, through the teeth is much thicker where they're supposed to contact each other. And if you think of the sides of the teeth, the enamel is much thinner. And the force being directed in a, in a different direction because of stress or the jaw being off just slightly 
Um, if that force is directed at an angle or a slightly different position, it could put stress on the weaker portion of the enamel, which can break the tooth down or lead to wear and tear. And so she was saying that it's not always brushing that's the problem when, when it leads to the, this sort of wear and tear that we see on our teeth, when oftentimes that's not really the only avenue, the brushing, flossing that the dentist will um, say as far as a treatment approach. So that was enlightening to me. The other thing that, that was enlightening is this proprioceptive input. So the teeth knowing exactly how they should contact each other is sort of a guide in the shape of the teeth. is they're, they're guiding the jaw as you bite down. And so if the teeth are worn down or misshapen or maybe they're not aligned quite right, what can happen is that will force the jaw to sort of find a different pattern of movement. And with that different pattern of movement, it will increase the amount of stress through the jaw. And then these jaw muscles that are trying uh, to, to bite down and chew the food, and they want the teeth to match up correctly, but they're not. So that increased stress through these jaw muscles can lead to uh, irritation, headaches, jaw pain, uh, all sorts of different things. She was actually showing me pictures of sort of miss, um, it was a picture of a patient's face and one half of their face was sort of asymmetrical to the other. And there were these asymmetries and sort of even uh, wrinkles that would resolve because she was able to uh, get the teeth to match up. And so that bite was not increasing the amount of stress through these facial muscles and the, the muscles of mastication or the muscles within the jaw. Um, and so these patients actually like looked younger, they looked healthier, uh, their mouth looked healthier, their smile looked better. And that all had to do with how the teeth were contacting each other. The problem is that not many dentists do that sort of work. Most of them will stop at the cavity filling uh, approach and not necessarily know how to restore jaw function. Night guards can be helpful, but night guards are mainly prescribed or provided in order to reduce the amount of wear and tear on the teeth, which is which is a good thing, but um, not necessarily restoring how the jaw should function or the bite. So that's dentist, dentistry. And I, I think that's a very valid route. So if I have someone that comes in and, and I can get them so far, but we kind of hit a roadblock, I will go down the dentistry route, um, especially if they're telling me they have jaw symptoms. Optometry. So let's move to the visual system. When I'm working with someone and they say that they have stress or increased symptoms when they're trying to focus on a computer screen or maybe they're, they're looking at their cell phone or potentially just reading a book or having a conversation where they have to focus on someone who's standing relatively close to them. Those are all things that tell me that their visual system is under an increased amount of stress. And what I'm talking about is not necessarily the acuity of their vision or their eyeball and how it focuses, but more so how the two eyes function together. So as the eyes move and track objects, especially as this object is moving closer to your face, if your eyes are having to work harder to track that object, so your eyes are sort of coming together, um, think of yourself as becoming cross-eyed, some people will lose focus with objects that are more like, let's say four to six inches away from the face when it really should be about six centimeters, that object becomes double. So what that means is there's a convergence insufficiency. So where your eyes converge on an object, they'll kind of fatigue because there's too much stress placed through them. That has to do with the eyeball muscles themselves, these muscles that are moving your eyes in and out. So that increased stress on those muscles, uh, they get fatigued and there can be pain. That pain usually presents as kind of behind the eyes. 
a lot of patients will push on the upper inside portion just below their eyebrow on kind of uh, the eye bone there and there that'll be sensitive and a lot of patients will have pain there and they'll push there because uh, putting pressure there drowns out that pain signal and is actually putting pressure on a little tiny eyeball muscle called the superior oblique which helps with that inward movement of the eye and so what optometrists mostly do is prescribe uh, glasses and they're focusing on visual acuity. And again, I'm not an expert in this, but this is just my understanding uh, of what's happening when talking to optometrists. And so they're prescribing glasses to make sure that, that you can see clearly. But this isn't necessarily a seeing clearly problem. It's more of an eye movement problem. And so what needs to happen is the optometrist needs to check for what's called convergence insufficiency and then take a patient through what's called vision rehab. Now, vision rehab is really just focusing on trying to restore proper function of these eye muscles so that they can move efficiently and so that the brain and those eye muscles are not being stressed out. The system itself is not being stressed out with just normal activities like reading a book, looking at uh, an object that's close to your face, watching TV, things like that. So I have an optometrist in town that I send patients to, and he was telling me that uh, he realized that this was a significant problem when in optometry school, he was learning about this and went through his own sort of vision rehab process. And he said that up until that point, he hated reading. He never enjoyed reading. It was always something he would get fatigued. He, he'd get tired. He'd kind of fall asleep, you know, a couple pages in. And after going through this process, he felt like he, he enjoyed reading. He didn't get tired. It was something that he felt energized with. And all that had to do with how his eyes were coordinating. Now, that can play into headaches and migraines. And he does work with a lot of patients that have headaches more from a vision perspective. So seeing an optometrist that can check convergence insufficiency and take you through a vision rehab process is what you should look for. Oftentimes, they'll promote something like that on their site because usually these are specialists within op the optometry world that have specific training in vision rehab. So it's not, again, it's not necessarily just like every optometrist that will be able to provide you with this proper evaluation and treatment process, just like not every dentist um, will necessarily be able to help you with how your jaw functions and your bite. So that's dentistry optometry. Let's look at uh, the vestibular system. So I've talked about the vestibular system before. And when it comes to those little crystals being dislodged and interrupting the flow of fluid in the inner ear, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, look up BPPV. It's essentially our vestibular system, our vestibular organ, is uh, how we know where our head and how our head movements relate to the space around us. And it that, that little organ sends signals to our brain so that we don't get dizzy every time we turn our head. And how that works is it's just these three little canals with water and three little tubes. And um, that water is reacting to gravity and it's responding in sort of an opposite direction to our head movements. And then it, there's a signal that's picked up and sent to the brain. What happens with, with some patients that are dizzy is there's a little crystal that's dislodged. It's interrupting the flow of fluid. Now, that type of dizziness is something that can be treated fairly effectively and quickly because if we just get that crystal back to its proper position, that dizziness can go away. Now, there's other types of dizziness that have to do with the whole system being hyperfunctional, hypofunctional. So um, there needs to be an equilibrium. So the right side needs to function 
as well as the left side. And if there's a disequilibrium, if one side is sort of working overtime or not working as efficiently, then you'll have this state of dizziness. The best way to approach that is to go through a vestibular rehab program. And there's different reasons for why the vestibular system would be uh, hypo or hyperfunctional. But going through a vestibular rehab program can help sort of recalibrate the vestibular system. And that's that's going through a whole sort of regiment of, of uh, balance exercises, head movements, things like that. And that's also something that I can get into, but it's not necessarily my area of expertise. So usually I'll send, try to find a physical therapist that uh, specializes in that sort of vestibular rehab if I think that's a route that the patient needs to go. All right, lastly, this fourth discipline that may be helpful for you is the dietitian nutritionist. So we partner with a, a dietitian nutritionist, and she is wonderful. She is able to take a patient um, from a very scientific model and evidence-based, research-based process, take them through testing, and get them to the point to understand how their body is responding or reacting to different food groups. Um, so we talk about inf- inflammatory foods and, and gut health. And when it comes to headaches and migraines, this is going to mess with your body's threshold for what it can tolerate as far as pain levels. And so many, many patients are sort of aware of these different food triggers. And so this is where our dietitian nutritionist gets into the sort of specifics of what your body might be sensitive to and what to avoid, and then maybe some substitutes for that and how to get your diet in the best uh, possible sort of regimen or routine so that you're not impacting your migraines through your diet. That is something that's important. Now, as far as nutritionist, I believe in the state of Colorado, you don't necessarily need a license to call yourself a nutritionist. And so I'm not necessarily talking about the sort of direct sales um buy the supplement, buy the shake, do this, you'll, you'll be healthier. I'm not talking about the sort of branded nutrition process. And not to say that those are necessarily bad, but there's not, there's not one specific diet that I'm going to recommend and prescribe. What I'm going to recommend is that you find a licensed dietitian. So this is someone that usually has uh, an education that's led to them being licensed as a dietitian, whereas a nutritionist can really be anyone who maybe they've just taken a weekend course or maybe they just have an extra interest in nutrition and so they've started to call themselves a nutritionist. But what I would would steer you towards is a licensed dietitian who can take you through the process of understanding how your body's responding to different food groups and then educate you appropriately and more from a, a scientific-based approach be able to help you navigate what nutrition should look like in trying to prevent headaches and migraines. Now, the nutrition aspect of things, it can be a, a very, very important sort of direction that um, patients need to go. So I, again, that's not my area of expertise. And so I don't necessarily take people through that process other than telling them general principles that I like to follow the the big important like, you know, inflammatory food groups that a lot of, I've seen my patients be sensitive to like dairy and gluten. I will have them sort of hey, you know, try this, try avoiding this for a period of time and just see how you feel. The other thing that can be helpful when it comes to nutrition is just keeping a journal, a log of what you eat and then when your headaches or migraines are triggered. Because if you see a trend in a certain food group and then it triggers something, then you kind of know that your body's not responding well to that. 
So I would say that these things are sort of a multidiscipline. They're part of a multidisciplinary approach to helping the more challenging cases of headaches and migraines. For the most part, when someone comes to see me, I don't necessarily jump into these things right away. I will work with a patient and take them through my process with the goal of getting them 80, 90, 100% without necessarily having to bring these other things in. But these are very, very valuable professionals that I can bring into this process if I feel like these other systems are keeping us from getting where we want to be. So again, it's dentistry, optometry, the vestibular system, and finding a physical therapist that works specifically with the vestibular system, and then a dietitian nutritionist um, who can help with uh, diet and nutrition. So those are the four disciplines that I think are very, very valuable. They're not going to be treating just the symptoms. They're going to be getting at underlying uh, causes and sources of pain and systems that need to be addressed. I hope you found this episode helpful. And just remember that there there are answers out there to not throw away a whole profession because of one interaction with a provider. So if you had a bad interaction with a physical therapist or PT didn't help or dentistry didn't help or optometry didn't help, there's likely someone in your area that will understand this better and be able to better guide you through this process. If you are at home and you're thinking, man, this is kind of overwhelming trying to find all these people or does this fit with me and you've been listening to me for a while, I would encourage you to book a virtual discovery visit. I give away a half hour of my time just to hear your story and try to help you out. And then we can even book a virtual evaluation, which will uh, be more concrete. Here's what you do at home and, and here's a plan of care and maybe what you should pursue as far as these other providers or trying to find a physical therapist. I'm Dr. Taves. Thanks for listening to the Headache Doctor podcast, where it's my mission to empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do. 